good evening. You up all night tossing, turning, mind racing, trouble falling asleep? I think you're in the right place. Sleep With Me is proud to present Game of Drones, the Game of Thrones podcast that puts you to sleep. We do it with an episode. This, I always get tripped up there. Uh, every This is our sixth Game of Drones episode. I don't think I've made it. We do it with an episode discussion. All you need to do is get in bed, turn out the lights, and press play. We'll do the rest. The podcast is going to create a safe place to distract you from all that stuff going through your brain. So we're going to talk about Season 4, Episode 6, Laws of Gods and Men. But I'm not going to talk about it like a normal Game of Thrones fan would. I'm going to talk about the boring stuff. As the podcast goes on and on, it's going to get more and more boring till it's like a fever dream. But hopefully you won't notice because you'll be sound asleep and drifting off into dreamland. If you don't watch Game of Thrones, this podcast is still bore you to sleep. If this is your first time here and you think I'm a lunatic, correct. Your, your instincts are correct. But that's what this podcast is. This is a podcast to bore you to sleep. We do Game of Drones every Sunday. We have other Sleep With Me podcast episodes on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And that's all we do. I tell a story, it gets more and more boring, you fall asleep. Now, if you got sensitive ears, you might want to cover them, because I'm not here. You might be walking, what's the angle? Would be my next question if I was, if this was my first time on the podcast. There really is no angle. I'm not, I'm honestly not here to sell you any bullshit. I'm not a sleep coach. I'm not a uh, vitamin salesman, or I'm not going to, I don't know. I, I'm not a manipulator. I wish, I mean, I have manipulate. see, I can't even pronounce words, but I'm not a, I'm a manipulative person, but I, I've yet, like I'm planning on reprogramming your brains for like a future, you know, two, three years from now, I'm going to need you kind of like one of those computer viruses, but I'm not going to try to sell you anything. Is I guess the point I'm trying to make. I'm just here to bore you to sleep. I like telling stories. I happen to not be very good at it. So, uh, that's it, I think. See, obviously trying to explain it, I'm dragging this on. And I'm not doing it on purpose. It's a gift to be this, uh, and, and have an inability to be direct and interesting. I guess it's a gift. This is the only outlet for the gift. Because I had a point and I just forgot it. Oh, the point. another point is I love Game of Thrones. Sure, I'd love to have like a Jerry's action-packed Game of Thrones podcast. Every kiss, every fight, every time the hound says the C word, we're here live. Like I'd love to have that podcast, but I'm not that guy. I'm the guy that's like, and then... I'm the guy that's still talking, trying to introduce an episode, and we're already like four minutes in. So I'm here to bore you to sleep. That's it. Uh, so you can, I'm, and I'm being honest with you. Like, I'm trying to create a community. I'm trying to help people fall asleep because I had trouble falling asleep. I still do sometimes, and I can relate. So if you do have trouble sleep, and this is your first couple times here, I'm dead serious, man. There's no angle to this podcast. And I'm only saying that because I'm the kind of person that that would stress out. I'd be like, what's this guy going to try to get out of me? Um, But yeah, I just want you to listen to my stories and hopefully enjoy yourself until you fall asleep. Uh, So so that's it. We're on the web at www.sleepwithmepodcast.com slash drones for Game of Drones episodes only. Uh, you can get me on Twitter at Dearest Scooter. You can email me, feedback at sleepwithmepodcast.com. I love to hear from people. I love to hear what you think. Just make sure you tell me where you're from, how you found the podcast. I love your thoughts. I love any creative stuff you do. Let me know about it. Uh, I think that's it. If you If you like the podcast and you've been listening, subscribe. The most important thing you can do. Subscribe in iTunes. Why? I don't know. People say that on their podcast, so I'm saying it on mine. It has something to do with some kind of algorithm stuff. 
If you uh, want to, re- the second most important thing you can do if you want to help the podcast, review and rate us on iTunes, like a lot of you do, and you're the best. Uh, I guess, or maybe the first most important thing is just tell someone you know that, hey, you can't sleep? There's this maniac on the internet who has a podcast that tells boring stories, and it works for me. Please don't fire me from my job. If you're telling your boss that, well, maybe you shouldn't say, please don't fire me from, just don't tell your boss, just tell friends, family, or underlings, overlords, uh, maybe with better off with over, well, if you're an overlord, well, then you have underlings, but you, there's always an overlord over though. So yeah, don't tell your overlords because maybe that's, well, no, they might be in a better mood if they're well rested. So I don't know. That's it. Um, that's a podcast in a nutshell when the nutshell is like seven minutes long uh tonight we're talking about game of drones game of thrones the laws of gods and men season four episode six so we're gonna get to it thanks for listening thanks for being here and i hope i help you fall asleep all right so we're talking about uh laws of gods and men no i just noticed that uh oath keeper I just edited that episode, even though this is coming out two weeks or three weeks after. I was calling it Oathbreaker the whole time. I'm sure one of you is going to let me know, so thank you. But what are we going to talk about tonight? Tonight I'm going to talk about the episode a little bit, and then we're going to talk about cheerleading, conspiracy theories again, but a a specific one with a story about true life story. We're going to talk about uh, Mace Tyrell, not once, but twice. We're going to dip our toes into photographic memory and just do a little bit of fact-checking on photographic memory. We're going to talk about Dion and the the singer and his song, The Wanderer. And if we have time, we're going to, you know, touch on some goat goat action. Uh, We're either going to talk about, towards the end, we'll talk about either Mace Tyrell or goats. And probably be a prayer to a god in there at the end. This has been tradition lately. Oh, uh, the thing I was going to say is that in no doubt there will be a trip in the Bruce Bolton Game of Thrones fantasy time machine. All right, Laws of Gods and Men. Great episode. I mean, I guess there's no need to say great episode because that's just... just, I do want to look up that, but uh, let's do this. All right, so one thing about the episode was we had uh, Davos and Stannis at sea. And the Red Stag. And I know in another long time ago episode, I talked about the uh, Red Sun at Night, Sailor's Delight, Red Sun in the Morning, Sailor's Take Warning. But you could totally have a field day with that Red Stag at Night, Stannis' Delight. I don't know. Uh, but I just thought of that Red, red Stag. I love Sir Davos. So got a lot of good Sir, Sir Davos action in this episode. And I love... At the Bank of Bravos, Iron Bank. That was cool. And we had Theon's sister uh, kicking into this Ram, Ramsey, uh, Ramsey Snow, Bolton. Bruce Bolton's kid's castle. And there's one point where there's like a, a grappling hook goes up onto the ramparts. And the guy looks down. He's like, oh, what's this grappling hook doing here? And then, of course, he gets killed because he's an idiot. So I don't know what Ramsey's still... Okay, that was one thing. I mean, I, I, I'm I'm not a Ramsey still fan. He scares me. He's frightening. The actor, whose name I don't have at the top of my lips, is wonderfully horrible. So uh, he, I think... And I, I have an unfortunate feeling this guy is so good. Um, He's going he's gonna to act himself right out of any other jobs. So I'm going to say, bro... You know, quit doing such a good job of being a terrible monster. But so, that was one thing that stuck out. Like, oh, what's this uh, grappling hook? Oh, like, Ramsey, man, you know, you, you need to do some drills in between your torture sessions. Like, keep your uh, soldiers drilled. Because if your dad finds out, he's going to pull that, uh, you know, full sunship right off of you. Other thing is he, he gets in this fight without a shirt on. Bad idea. I mean, maybe from a, I don't know. I can't imagine he has any sex appeal, but maybe that's just me. I mean, I'm sure maybe there's a subset of women and men that are attracted to him. 
Uh, I feel, I don't know, but, uh, I've cooked bacon without a shirt on. Bad idea. Bad idea. Even like a, just a terrible idea. Never. If you learn one thing, one thing from, like, let's say you're listening to this podcast for the first time and you're already at the point like, this guy sucks. I'm never going to listen to this podcast again. That's fine. Just don't cook bacon with your shirt on. If you never listen to this podcast again, do me that favor because you're going to get burned and it's going to be unpleasant. And, and I dodged bullets. I'm lucky I have. Just I'm just lucky I wasn't severely injured. So don't do that. And don't fight with your shirt off. I mean, like swords play and all that stuff. That's not a good idea. And so that's one thing. Reek gets a little bath time and he's going to get a little acting job. And just sad, uh, a little sad, heart-wrenching, I don't know if heartbreaking, this whole Theon Reek situation. But uh, we got Khaleesi in command. I wish I had some good Khaleesi stuff, but uh haven't heard back from the Khaleesi about the metric system. And, you know, I've, I got a principles, I have principles, and I'm just not going to, I'm sorry, Khaleesi. I can't do any Khaleesi coverage until the metric system is in, implemented in Marine and it becomes part of your platform for when you take over uh, Westeros. So there, I said it, Khaleesi, and I know I will not make love to you, sweet love to you, or Melisandre, uh, or, or whatever, your interpreter, even, well, maybe, but preferably you'd do the metric system, and then we could talk about that stuff. Get a lot of Mace Tyrell in this episode. We'll get back to Mace Tyrell. Hundred silver stags. Oh, no. Hundred silver stacks for uh, the hound. I know stacks is a is a term for money. I don't know how much is in a stack. Because I don't know if it's a stack of ones. That's what I'd probably... Or twenties or hundreds. Maybe a stack of hundreds is like 10,000? I don't know. It's because 10, 100... A hundred ones is like a thousand. I don't know. I'll put that in the show notes. How about that? Big, beautiful world. Most of us aren't princes. I like that interplay between Varys, Vars, Varys, and o- Prince Oberon. Oberon. And they talk about father's orders. We mustn't disappoint father. Uh... How about this when uh, Tyrion goes in, someone yells at him, Kingslayer. It's like Kingslayer Part 2, Kingslayer 2.0. Choked on his pigeon pie. Pigeon pie, is that alliteration? I like that. Pigeon pie, it does really, really roll off the tongue in a nice way. Go ahead and say it with me if you're awake. Pigeon pie. Who's, Who's got a P in there? Penelope. There's no Penelopes on the show. Prince Papu eats pigeon pigeon pie. Anyway, uh, Tywin's eating a lot. You never notice that? Jamie comes in during his court, his trial break. He's eating. Thought, I don't know. That just stuck out to me. Tywin is getting all smug because uh, he, he, he's very um, pleased with himself. When Jamie kind of uh, throws himself at uh, his father's mercy. Now we're going to talk about Mace, Mace, Mace Tyrell later. And this was, I, I, I don't mean to take anything away from the episode. The uh, gravity, emotional gravity, the uh, stuff by making light of it. But I'm going to. This was another, this, this, this was not as funny as the potatoes with the two Irish countryside people. when they said, potatoes but this had to be funny on purpose she says uh Shay says uh I wasn't just his maid I was his whore and it, that was like and we'll get to well we'll get to it in a minute but then Mate Tyrell he does like almost a spit take a double take he's like what 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 which almost killed me I mean I almost died and uh and the, it's not like Every person didn't just hear what he says. He says, I beg your pardon? You were his what? It, I literally felt like, oh, man. I mean, this is when 
and this is what I was, this is my last point about this episode, is that, oh yeah, let's look up. This is where you take your hats off to George R. R. Martin, Weiss and Benioff, but also Brian Cogman, who wrote the episode, and then Alec Sakharov. I hope I'm pronouncing your names correctly. Uh, uh, because this episode, like, and, and Peter Dinklage, obviously, and everyone else involved in this acting, because, the, again, I'm, I'm, I don't think I'm crossing the line into fanboy here to say, when people look back at this season of Game of Thrones and the show in general, they're going to be like, man, there was some momentous stuff that happened in this 15, 20, 30 minutes of this trial was one of them. Because if you took the dialogue and looked at it on paper, I mean, even that, I wasn't just his maid, I was his whore. I mean, that could be on a Jerry Springer show. And even the stuff Peter Dinklage is saying, you know, to the to the peons and to his father, it... And I think it's, maybe it's necessary. I I don't know. I can't tell stories uh, even one billionth of this level of this show. But to somehow have that all come across with jarring emotional impact is so difficult. It's just mesmerizing because the stuff he's saying, if you just look at it on paper or just was delivered a different way or... It's like a, it really is this piece of wonderful collaboration they're doing on the show. I mean, uh, I I don't know. You, you just have to rewatch it. And that's just not, and that's not to take away from any of the other excellent parts of just this episode of this season or the entire show as a whole. But this was, whew, boy. And again, this was another moment. It's so rare in a season for a show, you have these moments where, the episode ends, and you're in shock. You're left forlorn because you have to wait a week. Your uh, your mind is boggled, and I'm speaking for myself. But uh, wow, I mean, I guess I'm getting maybe this is boring. My opinion of or my praise of this, but geez, I guess it's an appreciation. Okay, I'm like a. I don't know. So that that's just a tangent. Okay, I'm sorry it went off. But yeah, so let's get on to the bo- real boring stuff. Okay, so the first thing we're talking about is cheerleading. Why are we going to talk about cheerleading? Because you have this scene with the Iron Bank of Bravos and Stannis and Davos where the Iron Bank is kind of like, thank you, Stannis. Like, yeah, we, we come, we, you know, we keep our own time and we keep, we prefer our, the stories numbers tell, and we're not going to give you the time of day. And then Sir Davos drops like a, a cheerleading session. It, I was almost waiting for him to say, Stannis, S-T-A-N-N-I-S, or however you spell Stannis, Stannis, and then slide on his knees. And they do back, I said Stannis, 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 huh, Stannis, Stannis, huh. S-T-A-N-N-I-S-S-S-Y-A-N-I-S. Stannis, Stannis, who's got the iron? Who's got the name? Stannis is your man. I'm not insane. I said a Stannis. And I'm I'm just riffing. I'm sorry. I shouldn't be cheer. I shouldn't be dropping a cheer on you right now because you're trying to sleep. And now I got my neighbor moving. Freaking. Okay, sorry I was riffing. And then there's all this noise. Um... And yeah, I didn't mean to cheer, but so that made me think of cheerleading. I don't know much about cheerleading, so I decided to look up some history of cheerleading. Why not? It's interesting, right? <laughs> it, I mean, it is. So history of cheerleading, this is from cheerleading.isport.com. I had looked on the, um, I don't know, the International Cheer Union or the official governing body of cheerleading, but their, their cheering history was too dense. So, if you're a cheerleading fan, I did not ignore your governing body. Just too much information. And I thought this was a nice balance over here at cheerleading.isport.com. So, crowds have been cheering since the advent of sports. And it wasn't until the late 1800s that organized cheering came to be. 1883, 
Great Britain started the cheering and the chanting in unison, which we've seen at soccer games during this wonderful World Cup. But the first official cheer wasn't performed until 1884 at Princeton University in Princeton, New Jersey. One member of that Princeton audience, Mark Peebles, brought cheerleading with him to the University of Minnesota, created a specific set of cheers for each different game. So he must be the father of cheerleading. Well, maybe, yeah, or the, he's like the messenger of cheerleading. Peebles took it upon himself to lead the uh, Minnesota crowd during football games. But another Minnesota student named Johnny Campbell took organized cheering even further by coordinating an entire team to lead the crowd. From that day, November 2nd, 1898 forward, Campbell was known as the world's first cheerleader. Most people hear the word cheerleading and think of uh, girls in short skirts. But in fact, the sport was started by men. In 1903, University of Minnesota had a yell squad with six males, which in turn led to a male cheer fraternity called Gamma Sigma. Texas A&M joined the bandwagon in 1905 when they had cheerleading state, a group of males who led the crowd at football and basketball games. The sport was dominated by men until the 1920s. Famous figures like Dwight Eisenhower and Franklin Roosevelt were members of their cheer squad. Women joined cheerleading in 1923 and began to dominate during World War II when the men left to fight. They were not allowed to compete in collegiate sports but were permitted to join cheering squads. More shameful history of the U.S. Misogyny and patriarchy at work. Uh, Once women took over, cheerleading began to incorporate tumbling, Stunting and props like the megaphone. Members of the squad were voted in by their classmates, which downplayed the importance by earning one spot through skill. Again, this is, I don't know if someone had a ulterior motive when writing this. Grandfather cheerleading. Grand cheerleading evolved until it became more athletic and competitive. Lawrence Herky Herkimer a Southern Methodist University cheerleader formed the National Cheerleaders Association in 1948. They had a cheer clinic. That's the largest cheer organization in the United States. Does camps and competitions. He went on to uh, form a supply and dance uniform company called Cheerleader and Dance Team. Invented a prop called the Spirit Stick and made a jump called the Herky. Sport for all ages. In the beginning, cheerleading took place only at colleges. But in the 1940s, younger people joined the high school, Santa Cruz 49ers. Went to a cheer camp called, hosted by Herkimer. They're the first night collegiate team to attend. 1967, history gets darker. Uh, Peewee football leagues began to incorporate Pop Warner cheerleading in the programs. Pop Warner was younger athletes without school affiliations to join cheerleading. Girls as young as five began to cheer. I don't think Stannis Baratheon or Sir Davos would be loving this. Uh, or Cersei. Uh, 80% of public schools in the U.S. have cheerleading teams between members between 12 and 17. 3.4 million registered cheerleaders in the nation. Cheerleading around the world, although cheerleading has roots in the U.S., there's the BCA, British Cheerleading Association. Uh, It's established in 79 countries with 4.5 million worldwide cheerleaders. I don't know if that counts the 3.4 in the U.S. Yeah, there's a lot of other blah, blah. In the 70s, sport made a complete transformation it was no longer a group of people leading the crowd, but it became a squad of athletes with well-rehearsed routines and skills. In 76, the first stunt of liberty was created and taught at cheer camps nationwide. Then 79, the basket toss was invented by the University Universal Cheerleaders Association, give cheer teams an arsenal of stunts to perform. And now everybody's doing stunts. All-star teams began to emerge in the 80s. Some athletes wanted to compete without school or sports. In 87, they created an all-star division of unattached teams. 
cheerleading as all-star cheerleading as perhaps the fastest growing cheer group making strides although most people involved in cheerleading i mean it should be recognized as sport yeah i i believe that stuff takes a lot of athletic prowess that's my comment not cheerleading i sports outsiders i'm not and i'm an outsider uh cheerleading it's televised in 1978 by CBS. 83, ESPN did the high school cheerleading competition. But even with this publicity, it wasn't taken seriously by spectators until the 1990s when ESPN declared cheerleading a sport. Cheerleading today, 100 years after its conception, cheerleading continues to grow. Although it started in male only... Most cheerleaders are still women, 97%, but 50% of college squad members are men. Cheerleading continues to make its way in the world of sports, popular culture, yeah, there's television. Okay, so that's a brief history of cheerleading. To highlight interesting stuff, we got some characters involved in here. Johnny Campbell. Uh whoever else, uh, Johnny Campbell, Mark Peebles, is that Mark Peebles, Johnny Candle, Campbell, and Lawrence Herky, Herkimer. Uh, no women mentioned here, so cheerleadingisport.com. If you're listening, you know, come on. I don't know what's up, but that is uh, cheerleading. No mention of Sir Davos, who was probably the first cheerleader of Westeros. Nah, probably not, but he's a big cheerleader for Stannis Baratheon. Next thing is, uh, so they had this whole Iron Brank of Bravos thing. And then we had Tyrion uh, one or two episodes ago talking about the people pulling the strings. They, uh, ominous they. And the ba- Iron Bank of Bravos makes me think of like conspiracy theories because a lot of people buy into a lot of people, I'm making generalities, people buy into this whole conspiracy theory about some secret cabal of bankers. And I have this conspiracy theory story. I'm trying to make it as quick as I can. I don't know if I can tell this quickly, but, uh, okay, well, we might have to, well, well, I'll tell you the story and then we'll see what we have time for after, I guess. But so a long time ago, well, not that long ago, I had, uh, I was, uh, had a job delivering mattresses. I sold mattresses. And at some point I sold this mattress and I'm not sure if it was over. Sometimes I'd sell them over the phone. Sometimes people would come out and buy them. And, but I ended up delivering them to their house. And, uh, this older man bought this mattress, a single older man bought this mattress for me. He was probably somewhere between late sixties to eight. No, he was probably 70, 80, 90 years old. And so I delivered to the house. Now, I don't know if I had met him before or he bought it on the phone. But uh, I show up to this house, and it's in uh, somewhere in Silicon Valley, like in a nice neighborhood, whatever. Not not that important. But I pull up in this truck. I unload the mattress by myself. And he answers the door, and he's in a lab coat. Uh, now, anytime someone answers the door to a house in a lab coat, that's like a red flag. Uh, and I'm, t- I'm telling you, if you work for anything that goes into people's houses, you're nodding your head. You know, it, And I should have taken it as a red flag to get out of there. Because someone answering their house door in a lab coat, that's just not, there's not a lot of reasons <laughs> that someone's wearing a lab coat around the house. Like one, they're insane. Two, they're probably dangerous. Three, they're into some sort of experiments. Four, I don't know, there's a long list, but I did not. I was curious. I'm like, why is this guy in a, you know, part of me was here. The storytelling part of me was like, yeah, what's up with this guy? And he was a little odd. And he, I think he had like those glasses with like the different things that come down the lenses or whatever, you know, that you just see on some sort of tinkerer. So I bring the mattress into his house and I'm like, uh, he's like, uh, yeah, I'm just working on. Uh, he's like, why don't you come out back? I'll show you what I'm working on. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to die. And uh, this is, if you deliver stuff, you know, there's more than one situation where you're like, okay, this is it. This is going to be the customer that takes me out. 
And I was like, at least it'll be interesting. The guy's got a lab coat on. He's probably going to, you know, graft my body onto a, I don't know, kangaroo head. And then I'll be kangaroo man for a little while or something. So he takes me out back and he's got all these like uh, poles with some things on them. And he starts to explain to me these are targets. And he's like into precision shooting of guns, like not just shooting for hunting or target shooting, but like precision shooting. And he's explaining it to me. And I'm like, oh, this is wicked boring because I thought you were, you know, some sort of psychopath. And now you're just telling me you're uh, eccentric. Uh, so I'm like, oh, what a bummer. You know, I thought maybe I would have to fight this guy or he might give me superpowers, which yeah, if I guess this was an interesting podcast, he would have given me powers of boredom. And if it was a really interesting podcast, he would have given me some kind of superpowers that weren't boring or something. But it just ends up he's a target shooter. But, you know, since I had um, at least pretended like I was listening to him, I think I kind of listened to him. I thought he was interesting. He was a very nice man. And I put the bed together, helped him move some stuff. And then he's like, uh, he basically, he's like, yeah, I like the cut of your jib in a non-sexual way. He's like, I like the, really like the cut of your jib. He's like, do you ever think about, uh, I'm not kidding. This is how he, this is how the conversation went, like. Uh, we're just having like a chit chat. Well, you know what? You seem like a good guy. You know, thanks a lot. Did you ever think about who killed JFK? What's up, my heart? What? What? You, yeah, I'm just gonna get going. Um, yeah, thanks. I like you know it was pleasant. What? No, do you you ever think about who killed uh you know who killed JFK? And I guess I I don't have a good and at this time especially I don't have good boundary issues. So I was like, oh shit. <laughs> And he goes, I, are you familiar with the Bilderbergers group? And I was not at that time. I was like, hmm, no. I mean, I don't think I'd ever heard of the Bilderbergers. And then he said, uh, he, he dropped some Illuminati on me, I think. And this, I don't know if this pre-Da Vinci Code, it probably was, or maybe it was post. I don't think the Bilderbergers were in the Da Vinci Code. And he's telling me about the New World Order and the joint, uh, let me check my notes, hold on. Oh, and, and the Council on Foreign Relations, and and he starts, he busts out these uh, newsletters, and he's like, I want you to read this stuff. And I, and uh, what was it, what was so striking to me, so he gave me a couple newsletters, and he was, you know, he talked for a while about the, his, his, his theories, but this, like, right away, when you hear this stuff, and I'm not trying to, again, the, people are extreme on all things. And people find, I mean, I'm obviously I'm not judging. I'm saying this is interesting, okay? So I'm not, or I guess that's what I'm trying to express. But, so, but a lot of times when you hear this kind of stuff, you think about like right-wing conspiracy theories. But this guy was a left-wing conspiracy theorist, but not in a, it was like when people talk like when people talk about the political spectrum and you think about a spectrum like a spectrum is in some sort of arch and uh so is does the arch go for full circle and this guy was actually proof of it cuz he was very liberal but he was so far in these conspiracy like he was in and like one of his big things in these papers was Rupert Murdoch was like one of the bad he was running a lot of these cabals, I guess, or whatever. So this guy was so far to the left that he was back around to the right. Uh, and it was just, uh, I, I don't know, it was really, I'd never seen some something like that before where I started reading his materials. And it was a anti-corporate conspiracy theory, but it was still, it was basically saying the same stuff as like, all the conspiracy theory was just a little bit changed around. Or I don't know. I'm not, I don't have nuance in this. And I, I guess I don't have enough knowledge of it. But, it, and again, as I said the last time, this stuff's incredibly interesting that, um, and ripe stuff for both people's imaginations and beliefs. And part of me does want to believe this stuff because, like I said, it's like it pulls us out of this dullness of our lives and the dreariness and, and also lack of control we have over events. And and maybe some of this is true, maybe it's not. But it certainly is uh, 
I can see the, what, why this guy was interested in it. I don't, maybe I don't believe in all of it, but I don't know. I don't know, but it was crazy. So he didn't, so then I left. I survived clearly. Um, but again, if, if you're going to have any takeaways from this, it's that when you get to the extreme ends, well, one, I guess you can get to so extreme to one side of an issue or another that you get closer to the side you're against than to the middle. Because this guy was definitely so far from the middle that he was back out around to the right again. And I mean, maybe that's just a non-nuanced thing that the politics is some sort of spectrum uh, or circle. But, uh, but the one takeaway is don't go into a house that is answered by a person in a lab coat. Now, if you're going to a doctor's office, Dr. Price should have a lab coat. You're going to a lab. Probably, you know, should, people could have lab coats on. But a house, you know, don't, don't, just don't go in. Just learn from my mistake. And maybe there's a reason I survived, like higher power, God, fate. My, my message to get to you guys is don't go into a house that's answered by a man in a lab coat or a woman or uh, any other entity. A, a domicile is not a place for lab coat-related activities. And even at, that goes for Halloween too, okay? Just trust me on this one. Uh, yeah, so no lab coats at home. And those of you that I can, I know there's some contrarian out there or some person that's actually like, whoa, I wear a lab coat around the house all the time, so it's got pockets. Okay, like, here's what you do. Dye your lab coat a different color so it's not white. And we'll just stick with that. Okay, so then we can all have common ground. You can still wear your lab coat. Just go on Amazon or whatever and buy some writ dye. Put it in a bucket, dip your coat in there, and then boom. So don't go into houses that are answered by people in lab coats, which are normally white. Sometimes blue, baby blue, I've seen. Any other color, uh, why not, okay? That's it. All right, we're going to talk about photographic memory real quick because uh, Var- Ferris has this great line, uh, Sadly, my lord, I never forget a thing, which he says to Tyrion. And uh, again, I wish I, I, I haven't run into Ferris in the uh, Bruce Bolton fantasy time machine yet. I hope to. Because he seems like, a, again, just a wonderful, wonderful, well, we're going to have, we're, don't worry, we'll get plenty of them. I got a feeling. And I got to go back and redo the other older seasons. But uh, it may, like in his case, I don't think he was referring to photographic memory. He was referring to some a deeper kind of memory, not just of uh, like an emotional memory and uh, a memory of what's important what angles are important and what loyalties are important and how to move the chess pieces around is what his, sadly, his memory, uh, whatever. Is that, what does he say again? Sadly, my lord, I never forget a thing. So he doesn't have photographic memory, but do people do? Because you hear people and they're like, oh, yeah, and you know what? I have a photographic memory. And nothing, again, if you do, so, I mean, nothing will make me dislike you faster than saying that uh, out of jealousy, one, because if you do or did, uh, poof, but is it true? And according to uh, two two things that came up, it's not. Psychology Today has an article called The Truth About Photographic Memory. It's written by... William Lee Adams, this is from 2006, 2008, and he talks about, um, I'll just go through this article real quick, it talks about a 59-year-old Akira Haraguchi who can recite uh, 83,431 decimal places of pi. Does he have photographic memory? No, it says, because some, some people have phenomenal memories like chess masters, card sharks, but they're better at re- only doing one task. Like they might be able to memorize cards but not remember people. Uh, they quote Alan Searleman, a uh, psychology professor at St. Lawrence University in New York. They call it eidectic memory or eidectic imagery. 
which comes closest to being photographic. Uh, and they can vividly describe an image after being shown it for 30 seconds, like how many petals are on the flower. But And they say they can see it, and their eyes appear to scan the image. Uh, but their reports have contained errors, and the accuracy fades after a few minutes. So if it was truly photographic, they're saying, you wouldn't expect any errors at all. Now, people can uh, improve their recall through tricks and practic- practice, but this Heidecker is not uh, linked to intelligence or other traits. Uh, children are more likely to have it than adults who can lose it starting at the age of six. And I shot over to Scientific American, who had an article on December 19, 2012, answering a question. Barry Gordon answers the question. I developed a photographic memory when I was 16 years old. Does this Now, this is an idiotic question. I'm sorry. So listen to it. I developed what appeared to be a photographic memory when I was 16 years old. Does this kind of memory truly exist? And if so, how did I develop it? Obviously, you're lying, bro. Because uh, your question stinks, and this question will be in the show notes. But uh, Barry Gordon answers the question, a professor in neurology, Johns Hopkins. He says, uh, the intuitive notion of photographic memory that is just like a photograph and you can retrieve it at will and examine it in detail, uh, zooming into different parts, has never been proved to exist. Uh, most of us don't have any kind of photographic memory, like, but... Most people do have good visual memories. That's why we can remember faces but not names. But it's just a type of memory. Visual memories that seem to approach a photographic ideal are far from truly photographic. They result from a combination of innate abilities combined with zealous study, familiarity with the materials, such as the Bible or fine art. Sorry to disappoint further, but an amazing memory in one domain, such as vision, does not guarantee a great memory across the board. That must be rare if it occurs at all. A winner of the Memory Olympics, for example, had to keep sticky notes on the refrigerator to remember what she had to do during the day. So how does an exceptional, perhaps, photographic memory come to be? It depends on a slew of factors, genetics, brain development, experiences. It's difficult to distangle, disentangle memory abilities that are cultivated through interest and training from innate. Most people who have excretory memories in some domain, seem to possess it all their lives, but are honed, it's honed further through practice. Various parts of the brain mature at different times. Adolescence is the time for such changes. Uh, this guy says it did around 16. It's possible he only noticed it then. You might want to have some for, formal testing. Okay, that's it. Moving on. All right, Mace Tyrell, let's cover this real quick. We already did his double take. He had a a couple of their high points in this episode one, or well, low po- high point. I don't know. High points for Mace is uh, when Oberon's like, well, am I going to be the master of uh, ships or whatever? And uh, he's like, uh, Tywin already promised me I'd be master of ships. Even though Oberon was just joking, one. And then two, he goes, uh, Tywin goes, uh, fetch me a quill and paper, Mace. And Mace. Oh, poor Mace. And uh, so I think it'd be funny if he was like, oh, I'm Mace Tyrell, master of quill and paper. But we don't have to. uh, So, but Mace Tyrell made me think of mom jokes, which is like, uh, or like old fashioned jokes. Like, I mean, this is, I'm not talking about you, your mom specifically, but it's like, your mom is so stupid that blank. Or in the uh, older. Humor. I don't know if it's the 40s, 30s, 20s this week. Uh, Mace Tyrell is so stupid. How stupid is he? He's so stupid that when he ties his shoes, I, I don't know. So I had to go on the internet, of course, to look up jokes. I'm not a, I, I, I'm not good at crafting jokes, unfortunately. I wish I was. And then it was like, a lot of the jokes aren't good. So if anyone's awake and they're good at crafting jokes, comedians that may or may not be listening... Funny people, people that like crafting jokes or want to, tr- even if you want to try, you know, give me a Mace Tyrell is so dumb, that blank. Especially that you could probably come up with a good one like Mace Tyrell is so dumb that he thought Jamie and Cersei were married. That's not funny. 
Oh, okay. So I went to, this is from uh, com, which probably, uh, probably best not visiting, probably install sure, stuff on your website, but uh, you got to get a couple Mace Tyrell jokes in, huh? Mace Tyrell is so stupid, it took him two hours to watch 60 Minutes. Boom. Mace Tyrell is so stupid when he went to the movies and saw Under 17 Not Admitted. He went home and got 16 friends. Boom. Mace Tyrell is so stupid he went for a blood test and he asked if he had time to study. Mace Tyrell is so stupid you have to dig for no, that one's not good. Mace Tyrell is so stupid when he read on his uh, job application not to write below the dotted line, he put okay. This one's funny. We'll finish with this one because it's the best, I think. Let me just see if there's any other ones that aren't as funny. That are funny. Well, let's just close with this one. Mace Tyrell is so stupid he spent 20 minutes looking at an orange juice box because it said concentrate. Next thing we're going to cover is the, they came out that the Strangler may have been the, uh, who was it, Grandmeister Picel? Grandmeister Picel? He said, Grandmeister Picel said it might have been the Strangler was the poison used on Joffrey. And for some reason, the Strangler made me think of that uh, classic, is that an oldie song? Oldie song called The Rank, uh, The Wanderer. Megan, am I, am I dyslexing up this episode uh, like I did with Oathbreaker and Oathkeeper? The Rang, oh no, The uh, the Wanderer is written by Dion. He was uh, originally born Dion Francis de Mucci on July 18th, 1939. He's known mononymously as Dion. He had elements of doo-wop, pop oldies, music, rock and R&B. He was born in the Bronx, New York. That's where my dad's from. I lived in the Bronx. Italian-American family. His father was Pasquale DiMucci, a vaudeville entertainer. And Dion developed a love of country music from Hank Williams, blues and doo-wop. And then he formed, uh, performed in the Bronx at local clubs and street, street corners. Probably a little bit like this Jersey Boys movie that's out. He auditioned for Bob and Gene Schwartz, who would form Mohawk Records. Uh, yada, yada, yada. He was with the Belmonts from 57 to 66. They had the big hit, I Wonder Why. And uh, some other hits. Then he went solo, 60 to 64. Single Lonely Teenager. Having Fun. Kissing Game. Runaround Sue? Wow, he did Runaround Sue. However, then he recorded for a new vocal group, Del Satins. Oh, I didn't know that. For his next singer, he he did the uh, the Wanderer, okay, which climbed up the charts. And then he had Changing Forest in 65 to 68. He did more blues. Didn't work out so hard. Interesting guy. I'll put it in the show notes, but the the Wanderer is the main thing. So I was thinking of, I don't know why I thought the Strangler, the Wanderer. And then I said to myself, uh, okay, let's really test the limits of this Bruce Bolton fantasy, Game of Thrones fantasy time machine. And if this is your first time listening, I have a, a machine. It's powered by my ruining of Bruce Bolton. Yes, I rue Bruce Bolton, which means I pity the fate that awaits him because I don't know what his fate is. But hopefully it's the fate he deserves. But uh, I'm not going to go on a Roos Bolton tangent because I also love Roos Bolton. But anyway, I, had, I discovered this machine that can travel to parallel alternative Game of Thrones related fan fiction universes for real. So I hopped in it and I said, uh, what does Joff got to say about this? The Strangler, like he didn't know the Strangler killed him. And he didn't know I was thinking about this song, The Wanderer. So I was like, boo, 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 Bruce Bolton. Yes, I rue you. Yes, I rue you. And some sort of flayed men power also creates the, you know, time flux capacitor type back to the future stuff. And so so I ran, I get in there. I get run into Joffrey. And Joffrey sings for me. Now, this is just like that um, Tenacious D song. This isn't the song. This is just a tribute. But this is how it went. It's gonna be. I'm gonna sing. So, heads up. 
Sadistic and unpleasant to be around. I mock and I torture, I feed on other people's pain. The fact is, I'm bonkers, fucking totally insane. Yeah, I was killed by the strangler. Killed by the strangler. I'm going down, going down, going down, going down, going down. My motherfucked a brother, and that's how I came to be. My father by name was a glutton full of glee. My grandfather's a schemer, and I can never be enough. That damn Tyrion's always calling out my bluff. Yeah, I was killed by the strangler, cause I'm an unhappy Lannister. And I'm going down, going down, going down, going down, going down. I hope I did a couple versions of that. I hope one of them turned out good. I'm not a singer. And Joff is a singer. So, Jack Gleason. Or whoever, Joffrey, I don't know, is in the Bruce Bolton fantasy fiction time machine. So, powered by flayed men and my ruining of Bruce Bolton. So that's it. Bruce Bolton, yes I rue you, yes I rule Bolton. Uh, if for some reason you want to hear more of that, I don't know. I'd have to work on it. Cause I was killed by the strangler. Yeah, I'm on a happy Lannister. I'm going down, going down, going down, going down, going down, boom. Alright, All right, guys, I'm going to finish up with my prayers tonight. Uh, again, I'm not trying to convert anybody. In fact, I'm not uh, not trying to stir up any controversy. This is just my beliefs and my beliefs only. And you can, you know, I, I do definitely don't need to run across a red woman or anything, though. Okay. Um, Alright. Crone, it's me again. Hi, uh, also Miller, Smith, I know Miller, I'm the only one that believes in you, but I do. Crone, Smith, Miller, it's, you know, I've made that prayer about the Jets team last week, so I hope you're working on that. Again, that's how, uh, what a great person I am, I'm not praying for, for myself in those boots that I was telling you guys about, and, you know, me sleeping with the maiden, and Having a half half god, half human son, or or even a daughter, and magical weapons and st- stuff like that—that's all great. But I prayed for George R. R. Martin's favorite football team last week. This week, I'd like first off, I want to introduce you guys. Uh, there's this tree god, one of the, the old god. I'm not sure, but you know, it's a face tree with a face that. Uh, Brand saw a couple episodes ago, and so I figured, Tree God, I'm here. These are my these are the other gods. Again, I, you know, I think feel like you guys are the underrated. And a Tree God, you know, hopefully we have time. I can tell you about Tree Beard, and I can get you some copies of some uh, Tolkien, and uh, maybe the movies, so you could familiarize yourself with Tree Beard. I think Tree Beard, you might like him. Not a god, so. And, and anyway, uh, and the Ents, I think they were called. But, hey, you know, I, I wanted to pray to you guys. I just wanted to you know, make some small talk, so establish some rapport, keep it going. Crone, um, I guess we ought to pray for some goats. Because, uh, and, and again, I'm not trying to roll up on the Khaleesi. This isn't an anti-Khaleesi thing. But I know... I know most of you gods are vengeful. That's why I'm trying to stir up some vengeance against some of those other new gods. And plus that other red woman god seems pretty bad, but I think we could take him with me, with me working with you guys with, you know, all praise and glory to you, Crone, Miller, Smith and Tree, Tree God. My God, I work on a better nickname for you, Tree God. Treester. I know there's like a three-eye raven involved, but I'm not sure. I don't want to. I don't want to start praising a god. I don't really know as well. But anyway, I was thinking about these goats and all the merciful uh, humbleness inside of me that doesn't need all the stuff I asked for. 
I just, well, you know, just in case. But I'm playing, praying for the goats this week, not myself, because I, I'm a man here to serve you with all praise. Especially Crone, I was thinking, if there's a goddess of the goats, you, sh- you should you should be it. Um, because not just because you're old, and old people get goat like I know, and I'm 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 sure you're you're a god, so they wouldn't take that the wrong way because you're too smart. But these goats, they got rolled up on this by this um dragon, and I figure that Khaleesi's got three dragons. So I was thinking we could, like, uh, instead of just giving me magical weapons. Oh, sorry about that. God says, hearing this noise, I think it was some spy from probably the uh, warrior and the father and the mother or whatever. Because they, so, so what I, I don't know where I was. The Khaleesi's got three dragons. And I know gods are vengeful, so I figured we could help out these goats. And yeah, like I said, Crone, I bet you the goats really would like you. I've actually have a look, spent some time with goats in the past, and they're pretty nice. They like to eat a lot, and they'll eat anything. But for the goats I've run across have a good disposition. I know they have this reputation of being ornery. But that's probably like hungry goats or goats that haven't been treated kindly, like I treat goats. And like I treat my gods. So what I'm thinking is, uh, Smith, why don't you get on some weapons? Or if we could weaponize goat, if we could just weaponize the goats. Like you you think about, start just, you know, brainstorming. Uh, tree, 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 tree beard. Oh, no, I, mean, I don't want to call, I can't call you that. Tree lord, lord of the trees. If you could think about, um... Give me some of that power so I can mentally control the goats. Though it looks like exhausting. So if you could just, just, just work on that power so that I could control multiple goats without it being so tiring. I prefer not for my eyes to go white either because that's creeping me out. And, yeah, again, I just don't, I don't it just looks like it, it takes way too many energy. Uh, so if we could work on some more efficient way. That'd be cool. So I'll put you on that. Miller, probably, like, got the tree of the Lord working on the efficiency, but I'm probably going to need a lot of calories. And if we could, if you could think of some stuff, you know, to give the uh, goats some extra power or make them more um, likely to listen to me, some food, or just give me more food that, uh, again, I could sell and use for myself. Now remember, Miller, I'm the one that uh, has uh, prayed to your constellations. I alone. And Crone, I mean, I need you to dig deep into your bag of tricks. As all Crones I know have bags of tricks. And with all your baubles or whatever you've collected over the years of being a goddess, I mean, I don't know if we want these goats on two feet or we want them on four feet. But as far as I can tell, goats are good at getting eating, getting eaten, milk, getting making milk, and, and I don't know what else. Go- I mean, I'm not a goat herder, but now I'm going to be for you. Remember, it's for you and the goats. We're gonna we're gonna get vengeance on this one dinosaur-looking dude, because I just don't think it's fair, and that's what this whole prayer's about. I'm, I'm being around the bush. We need to take this. Uh, fire-breathing dragon down. I don't know if the other dragons breathe fire or, like, you know, other dragons can breathe ice or acids, but this one seems to breathe fire. It seems to not even listen to Khaleesi. So maybe we don't even do a straight vengeance on it. We, uh, me and my goat crew, mostly the goats, though, because I'll be controlling them from a distance, safe distance, preferably with this, I mean, with the, either the maiden or the Khaleesi's um, interpreter, but I don't want to mess with Grey Worm. I think he's cool. So i wait and see if maybe he gets slain in battle or something, hopefully. Or if not, maybe he just gives it up. 
but she might be in love with him, so maybe I just got to stick with the maiden. Um, but I haven't heard back from her at all. Not that I've been praying to her, I have not. But so we'll get these goats. Crone, I'm sure you got some kind of power you could give them. And they could be my army. We'll take out this dragon, we'll either capture it and break its spirit, or if we have to take it down, we do. And, you know, we could just hit it with goat horns. And the goat's got really tough, uh, uh, whatever you call them, feet, hooves. So, so, you know, a massive hooving. Maybe you could even put it, maybe you could chrome, maybe you could just put this thing to sleep and then we just step on it. And it doesn't wake up till it's not able to wake up anymore. Or, you know, whatever. We're going to get this dragon for the goats. And I'm speaking here for the goats. Because I don't pray for myself anymore. It's not the kind of guy. That's the kind of guy I was like two, three episodes ago. Worried about boots. And inns. And mating with the maiden just for my own purposes. And not for the purposes of furthering goat-related issues. And the New York Jets. And gods that no one cares about but me. That no one respects but me. And other people. But like I said, that's like... You can't count uh, a Smith praying to a Smith or a Miller praying to a Miller, old person praying to an old person or like a person that has vision praying to a tree. I mean, tr- you know, I don't have any of that stuff. I just got you guys, faith, F-A-I-T-H, faith, right? So, and, uh, you know, I got this the imitation hound I've been telling you guys about. Uh, and he actually started calling me Goat Boy uh, because I had a nightmare and he walked in and I was making a goat sound during the nightmare. Really, I was calling for my ma, which is even worse. So he says, what do you want, your ma, ma, Goat Boy, ma? And he tells me to hurry up. And he's not even, I mean, it'd be one thing if it was the actual hound, but like I said, this is just some poser who calls himself the hound. So... Again, maybe we could have the goats do something to that guy too. But only, no, you know, only if it's good for the goats or the jets or you or um, other stuff. And I'm kind of lonely, to be honest. Um, I mean, that's the way I keep talking about the maiden and, and stuff. But that's not important. I mean, maybe if I have a goat army, if you could transform a, well, no, it's probably better not, not to go down that road about you know, turning goats into women, that's not a good idea. Um, but, and again, I, I don't need to be the king of the goats, lord of the goats. I don't want to be Sir Goat. That's probably what the hound's going to be calling me tomorrow. Or he probably wouldn't even, I'll probably wouldn't, in the hound, yeah, I wouldn't even qualify. I'd just be Goat Squire. But yeah, so I think we can get this thing going. We'll start with that. Then maybe the Khaleesi will see. Oh, you took vengeance on my dragon, but we don't have. If we don't kill the dragon, we could give it back to her. If we do, we, uh, I don't know, we either cover it up or we'll go to the Khaleesi and be like, you know, I got, I'm gonna be like, hey, I got this goat army. I'm definitely not like that Noah Wiley type cat that can uh, totally seduce you, but at the same time, you know, I'll be here. I'm, I'm probably going to be dating the maiden anyway, so it's not like I'm desperate to impress you or your interpreter. I'd just be, you know, if, if, if we need to make out for any reasons or more than that, that's fine. But otherwise, I'm here with my goats. For you, Khaleesi, let's break some chains. I got horns. I got hooves. Those are good things for breaking chains. And obviously... You know, I'm a man of my word because I put, gave my word to these goats. We'd get this dragon, and we did. I gave my word to the crone that I would make her the god of the goddess of the goats. Done. And again, crone, don't let these gods tell you, oh, you're the goddess of the goats. This, those gods think they're so hot stuff, and it's BS. Oh, you know, I'm the goddess of the freaking beautiful whatever. Shut up, Okay. Crone, goats are better. All right. So again, look at. I mean, they they're very agile in the mountains, and necessary, and they keep uh, 
plants at bay that would otherwise create fires that could be dangerous. So all that stuff. I don't know, guys. That's about it. Um, you guys put your heads together. Mostly, I'll be running things on Earth for you. It'd be nice. Again, I'm not asking for any clear signs. I'm just asking for... Um, I'm going to start without... I won't... You know, I don't even need to hear from you. I'm going to go... Um, with reason, like, yeah, I've already started hanging out with goats, okay? I'll be honest. So I'm ahead of the game here. And that's it. Like, uh, we're going to... This will be, like, one... Like, that stuff about the Jets, I'm sure... You know, that's that's not about me. That's already, that's in the past. But this goat thing is like a plan moving forward to further your causes as gods, further the goats, maybe help the Khaleesi. I don't know how you guys are feeling about the Khaleesi. And this, and like this thing, old gods and the new, when they say that, they really mean old gods or the new. Now I'm saying old gods and the new, as in, the old god, tree, tree, tree lord. We got the goats. Maybe the goats have a god. I'm not. Even, I'll, I'll run it by them, and uh, see what they say. Once I get into their minds with this uh, new power, I'm gonna have. And then yeah, you guys like old gods and the new, the goat gods, the old gods and the new, and we'll be teaming up, and taking down stuff. But like again, I'm gonna run the middle. I'm not getting too high. I'm not going to get too low. I'm not going to be like, oh, I'm taking over for the Khaleesi. You know, I'm going to be the Godisi or whatever. No, I'm not. Again, I don't have great ambition. I mean, I want some stuff. I want some stuff, but, you know, who doesn't? But I'm a human. So I could just be my human part talking and not my. So that's it. I don't take you guys time up, especially all you at once on this, like, conference prayer. So, yeah, I mean, I'm sure, Tree, you're probably well-rested, but and you brought, I don't know if you've been around the longest, but I know Miller and Smith, you guys got work. Crone, I'm assuming you're retired and you're just doing hobby-related God stuff. So that's it. You guys just get back to work. Keep doing what you're doing. I'll be here on, uh, you know, around. Once I, I mean, I got to pretty much do what this hound, fake hound says, but don't worry, I'm on it. And not asking for the boots that I mentioned, the green ones. But if, you know, something happens, like someone ordered some boots from you, and then you did, you know, and they're like the ones I asked for in my size, it's cool. Again, the jet stuff, that's George R. R. Martin, who kind of, you know, you owe anyway. So do that. And then we'll take care of this goat situation. Again, like I said, you know, the maiden stuff, uh, you know, just act like I don't care. If, But unless that's not going to work and then think of something else. Uh, okay. And uh, Khaleesi Massange or whatever. Okay. And uh, that's it. All right, I'm checking out. I'm here. You're your loyal, trusted servant, humble. As always, in full praise of all of you. Crone. Miller Smith Tree, I'm always here to serve your trusted servant. Good night.